0: Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Industries Podcast. I'm Oliver Hartwig, and I'm joined today by our senior fellow Bryce Wilkinson. Hi, Bryce.
1: Hello, Oliver.
0: We want to talk a bit about your last piece in our newsletter, Insights, and it was a continuation of a theme that you started last year in a publication, Walking the Path to the Next Financial Crisis. So you were talking about the likelihood of a severe recession, and you were continuing that story from the report. So where are we on this path to the next global financial crisis?
1: We had three scenarios in that report, and one of them was a stagflation scenario, and you might recall everyone, that high inflation was not apparent around November last year. But uh, you were
0: warning of that last we were, year. Yeah,
1: yeah, we were saying that uh, this is a serious likelihood. Since then, we've had the Ukraine war and the movement in, in oil prices and food prices, and now inflation very is very much uh, on people's minds. And is there
0: anyone still... Claiming that this inflation now is temporary?
1: The central banks, um, I think, in the US did start saying that um, and, and others, but you don't see them saying that now. Um, there's a, a lot more concern. Um, central banks are realising that if they want to have any credibility at all, they've got to be starting to move up their policy rates, and that's what's happening and markets are now sort of recognising that, that there are going to be multiple um, central bank interest rate increases in the US and elsewhere. And same here. Not even our government
0: claims it's temporary. If you look at the budget forecast, they have the inflation rate above the target
1: range for the next three or four years. They do use that. Well, it's certainly running above the target range. And um, I think many of us feel that, well, I, well I've said in my article last week, I think that the mainstream authorities in in New Zealand and elsewhere, like the IMF, uh, World Economic Outlook, are uh, doing forecasts at the moment which are sort of hoping for the best. So they're all forecasting continuing economic growth, albeit weakened, and inflation coming down quite satisfactorily.
0: Which would be a bit like the Japanese scenario that you reported in the report last year.
1: Yes, yeah. um,
0: So basically a more or less stagnant economy, but not much inflation either.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, it's inflation coming down from its Mm. level. So they're sort of betting that central banks are going to get it right. But the bizarre thing is that they're also forecasting that the unemployment rate in the US and in advanced countries generally will um, be at the lowest they've, they, they've been in data going back to 1980, um, which is extraordinary given the public debt problems internationally. Now, what Except w- the US labour market, if I just
0: record it correctly, added another 390,000 jobs in the last month, yes. which actually is not so bad, except it's the lowest figure it's been in a year or two.
1: Yes, okay, yes. Well, it's yeah, it's the bounce back, um, which many country, economies, including ours, have experienced with the ending for lockdowns. But, you know, that's, in, in market terms, that could be a bit like a dead cat bounce. Yes, <laughs> It doesn't mean that all is well when it comes back off the pavement a bit. The, the big, the, the, our biggest fear is that this won't be just stagflation. It will be a very, very serious recession, and um, the reason for those fears is the extraordinary levels of public debt as well as central bank expansion. Now, those mainstream forecasts I was referring to, including New Zealand Treasury and Reserve Bank forecasts, aren't forecasting a major recession. Um, but uh, it would be almost unprecedented, I think, to for central banks to be able to pull it, up, pull it off in these forecasts um, One of the most noted monetary policy economists in the English-speaking world is Charles Goodhart, formerly of the Bank of England, and he said at the University of Waikato Economic Forum a couple of months ago now that it would be um, easier for central banks to land a 747 on the uh, deck of an aircraft carrier at sea than it will be for them to pull this off without a recession. And um, still really big fears in our report were the degree of indebtedness in Europe, particularly in Italy. And as central banks have to raise interest rates to preserve whatever credibility they have left, that's going to really hurt the, the budgets of Italy, Spain and um, Greece, many other countries there And that could cause pretty intolerable political pressure. So it is. we remain very concerned.
0: There was another warning voice over the weekend, and that was Elon Musk. In between trying to buy Twitter, he actually said he is really concerned about a severe global recession and ordered uh, his company, Tesla, to lay off one in 10 employees because he's um, fearing dreadful times. Is that roughly the scenario that you have in mind?
1: Oh, well, it's it's certainly the one we're fearing and we're saying, uh, well, I'm thinking it is it is plausible. It, it's uh, a real worry. I just don't know how countries like Italy and, and the like can get out of their bind. Um, we had a chart in our report which showed something absolutely perverse, which was as public debt ratios rose, um, the cost of financing the debt fell. More um, well normally, the more you borrow, the more you're going to pay in interest. The other thing, and it is still
0: uh, massively negative—a uh, real negative interest rate for Italy. So yeah. I-, I think Italian bonds are trading at about two two and a half percent ten-year bonds. The inflation yes. rate in the eurozone is eight point one percent. So it's it's actually quite a good deal for Italy at the moment because they can basically inflate their way out of their indebtedness.
1: Yes, well, well, that means that. Bond markets are still pricing Italian bonds on on the belief that the interest rate rise will be temporary. But what we really can, inter- can I just interrupt you yeah, there briefly. Yeah. I, I just wonder whether bond markets
0: really price anything, because it is still a very political market where the ECB is the major buyer. So, are markets really pricing the risk properly, or is it a heavily politically manipulated market?
1: It's very political. We've seen that with how successful central banks have been in, in driving down interest rates at, at the short end. I think another big factor, which isn't really a market factor, it's got a lot of politics in it, is the rise of the big sovereign funds um, and buyers in the Middle East, sort of Singapore, um, Japan, others, uh, China, uh, Russia. Um, there's a lot of politics going on with people who've got a lot of money to move around, other people's money, basically, and um, their objectives aren't strictly commercial. And that's, that's a worry. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of commercial uh, players in there as well. So I'm still a respecter of market prices. I admittedly take them with a grain of salt. Um, another thing going on though on on real yields, which is really important to monitor, is what's happening to index bond yields in the US. Uh, that that is US government uh, index bonds, uh, inflation indexed, and they uh, those yields are, are creeping up. Uh, they've become positive and and are getting increasingly positive. So that's a sign. Yeah, that's a sign that people are getting nervous. And yeah, are looking at real yields more. I think there's a lot of, a lot of water to play out in this. Thing. Another is to watch out what's happening to zombie com- companies because another pathology of the last few years was that although we've had lockdowns and recessions and um, you know industry has really been wrecked in the services sector, uh, we've had very much, much fewer than normal um, companies going bankrupt. So we've got a lot of companies around the world, Europe and and Japan, US, New Zealand probably, who would normally have gone bankrupt. The resources would have been released and would be freed up for people who can use them better, and that hasn't been happening. Um, so if you talk to receivers in New Zealand, they've been short of business. Okay. <laughs> Um, And they're wondering if that's going to be permanent. I doubt that it will be.
0: So when we're looking around the world, we see the US where um, the economy is getting a bit wobbly, where inflation is at 8.5%. You look at the eurozone, where the ECB still hasn't moved. They're now talking about maybe tapering from about August. But for the time being, inflation is running at 8.1%. And the ECB seems stuck for all the reasons we just discussed. How bad in the context of these developments overseas is the situation in New Zealand?
1: Uh, New Zealand um, is is not nearly as bad a situation as Europe. Our debt ratios are in much better shape. Um, the, the, uh, we don't have the wage index mechanisms we used to have. It is looking a bit like the 1970s, however, in that the crucial thing for real incomes isn't just what happens to oil prices, it's what happens to oil prices and food prices relative to our exports. And so far on the data, um, dairy product prices have been quite good. So our export prices for merchandise have been matching those for import prices. So we're not Getting as a country a big negative real income shock from what's going on yet. Uh, public debt ratios are uh, relatively low uh, by world standards. Um, our central bank's already move, moved its OCR into 2%, so you know, probably, probably one of the highest of the central banks in the advanced economies at the moment. Uh, the big thing I think here is whether wage inflation takes off. And there are things the government is doing which increase that risk. Um, one is the fair pay agreements, one. The other is what's happening in the public sector. With So there are quite control. a few
0: commentators who say, well, look at America, look at the ECB. That's a complete disaster over there. In comparison, New Zealand's doing relatively okay. I mean, just as you said. Yeah. And therefore they give a tick of approval to the Minister of Finance and the Reserve Bank. So job well done. But that's not how you see it.
1: No, no, not at all. Um, I think the great paradox is that we, we've got a government which sort of uh, does a lot of chess-beating about well-being and budgets and the like, but it, it, it's very, very hard to see, as one of the top New Zealand economists wrote, any evidence of attention to whether what the, any specific policy is going to raise well-being more than it reduces it. It's, it's the absence of proper justifications for spending tens of billions of dollars that is is deeply concerning. Mm -hmm. I want to finish
0: the conversation with a personal um, note. I mean, you have um, a few decades more experience than me when it comes to economic policies and watching economic Mm -hmm. cycles. Um, From your perspective, how interesting are these times in a sense I mean, they are not pleasant and uh, there are lots of risk around. But from a professional economist's perspective, you must be looking at this thinking, this is probably the most intriguing scenario we've seen in decades with all sorts of risks from still the COVID lockdowns in China, the um, enormous amount of stimulus provided over the last 20 years, really going back to the GFC, but even beyond that, and the strategic challenges from China's rise, the war in Ukraine There are so many things coming together, the response to climate change and the decarbonization agenda. At the moment, there is absolutely no shortage of massive changes in the world economy. So from a professional economist's perspective, trying to just absorb all of that, how does that compare to previous times? And how do you find this as a professional economist actually observing these developments?
1: The, the biggest puzzle for me and a lot of my colleagues as, as professional economists was that we had that monetary policy easing for so long, and it took so long for inflation to break out. And that gave rise to modern monetary theory and social credit sort of theories that central banks could just keep uh, printing money. and. Um, no one had to worry, just keep uh printing money and uh why collect taxes? You don't need them. You just if you want to spend a billion dollars or this or that, you just get the reserve bank to put credit the people's bank accounts with that amount of money. It's practical. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, that that concept is absolutely shattering because, you know, to I think to any professional economist that's going to end in a disaster. If, if people lose track of, of the fact that resources are scarce and the use of them must be taken very, very seriously if you're not to impoverish a country and a people, that seemed to be slipping away from us. And to a degree, it still largely has in the budgets we're where sleeping. I think the Ukraine war is a bit of a, a, a benchmark because it suddenly made Europe realise some things are more important than others and um, a sense of pulling together and a sense of realism has mm-hmm. been coming back into things as to what's important for prosperity and democracy and what, what are the values which actually made the West prosperous. And that brings us back to that eternal quote
0: by Herb Stein, a former advisor to US presidents, when something cannot go on forever, it will stop Yes is is that where we are with all the stimulus of the last twenty years?
1: Oh yes we're we're looking at, at an end game for that i th- I think and and we just hope that it's not going to be as bad as it, it could be it could be of 1930s levels. Um, such are the debt ratios and the degree of excess that's gone on. I'm not talking New Zealand, actually, here, so much as um, the US and, and Europe and to a degree the United Kingdom too.
0: So let's hope we are not repeating that kind of scenario. I think that's probably the most optimistic note on which we could end this conversation. Mm. So for now, thank you, Bryce, and we'll keep watching developments in the global economy with interest. i say.
1: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.